All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today from the barn in South Dakota. I am joined with a special guest. Her name is Oh, my special guest. If you've ever heard of her before. <laughs> she she is coming to you from Portland, Oregon in the podcast closet. Kelly, how's it going today for this new episode of Simon I can't believe Luna? I've been elevated to special guest. What changed? That is not for you to know. And not for us to talk about because this is not that podcast. It is not that podcast, Kelly. <laughs> this is a Bob Dylan podcast. And we are looking at, this is a long project of Kelly and I looking at songs from Bob Dylan from any era that we usually pick at random or words or numbers or whatever. We just pick songs and we talk about them. We make a public playlist that we'll talk about uh, in the middle of this episode that you can go listen to yourself. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the street number on Liberty Street that the future five World Trade Center will sit that was originally damaged during 9-11, which is nearly 20 years ago as we record. They renamed this week, the Street Liberty we listen to 1993's Jack around. Oh, there was a wealthy merchant in London he did dwell. He had a lovely daughter, the truth he'll tell. Okay, Kelly, we spent the entire week listening to 1993's Jack Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Before we get into the context for it, I just want to know what you what you thought about this week and we you know made a playlist uh and all that kind of stuff. How how was your week with this song? Oh, it was good. I it has a lot of energy. It instantly evokes like an Irish folk song kind of thing, which I'm into. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can like listen to a ton of that, but I definitely have an appreciation for that style of music. Um, and I, like I didn't because as I am want to do or not want to do the opposite of want to do. What's the opposite of that? What's like a nice turn of phrase for the opposite of want to do? As I am loath to do, I guess you could just say, although loath seems extreme. I don't listen to the words <laughs> is the point. Uh, so when I finally did key into it, I was like, wait, 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 it's a lady. It's a lady wearing man's clothes. Is it gay? Oh, oh it's wow. Gay. See, it's not gay. see, see, it's not gay, but it is cool. And I like it. Lots of energy. Very fast. Contextually, before we get into it, uh, this is another song from, you know, Cast Your Mind Back to Stagger Lee, Little Maggie, all that kind of stuff. This is uh, part of the uh, the Roud uh, Folk Song Index. It's also part of the Laws Fresno State Folk Ballad Index. Uh, Roud, it's number 268, song number 268, and it's N7 in the Laws category so you can go online and you know do some searching around find some stuff this song is dated for about the 1830s people think it's probably british now i want to roll through because i always find this interesting uh the changes in the in what the name of the song is so if anybody has gone online to search this just right. like with stack oh, yeah. instead of staggerly bob did this so the jack a row with the hyphens in it um so there's a lot of different variations on the song and i really enjoy this so um there are some that make sense, right? So we've got a person in this song and Jack, right? Jack, Jack Arrow. So there's a lot of Jack song titles for this song. Now, obviously, with any ballad or song, there's going to be a lot of variation in this. We are not going to be doing one of those deep dives like we did for Staggerly. But I do like the song titles kind of give a little bit of uh, flavor that we're really not going to delve into that much. But there, there's a lot of song titles for this. Namely, if we're going to stick to the Jack theme, uh, Jack Monroe is a big one. Uh, Jack Monroe, spelled differently. Uh, Jackaro, of course. Jackaro without the hyphens, and Jackaro without the e on the end. All one, on, all one word. It's spelled like that for like Joan Baez. She did a live album in '63, I want to say. Uh, Bob Dylan wrote the um, 
liner notes for that record and, and it featured this song on here. And I think it was spelled like that. Uh, also famous is Jackie Frazier. That's another big one that this goes by. Uh, less known is going by Jackie Robinson before Jackie Robinson was okay. a baseball player. Like, so, all right, Jackie Robinson is out there. Uh, Jack the Sailor. Jack went a sailing. Uh, the Love of Polly and Jack Monroe. There's Young Jack the Farmer. Jack Mulrow. And Poor Jack's Gone to War. Speaking of war, that is a huge element in this that actually gets buried pretty well by Bob. But there are other song titles. Uh, the song goes by True Loves at War, The Wars of Germany, The Cuban Soldier, The Wars of Santa Fe. We're going all over the map here with this. Another big element of the song is the merchants, right? We meet the merchant. It's the father, right? So this song also goes by the name There Was a Wealthy Merchant, uh, The Old a Rich Merchant, or from 1914, In Gotham Lived a Merchant. Okay. Or you could just change the name of the character altogether. So no more Jack. Uh, this song also goes by Willie's Gone a-Sailing, Frank He Gone a-Sailing, and Poor Jackson. So just completely forget about forget about Jack. Um, gender two is a way to sort of play with the song titles here. So this song also goes by, uh, things that are pretty vague, like the outlaw lover or the brisk young plowboy. <laughs> nice. Pretty great. Pretty great. You don't know what you're getting into when you hear that. Uh, and then if you want to obscure it a little bit further, but also kind of get it a little closer to the truth, there are titles out there called the maid of Chatham, the British lady, the merchant's <laughs> daughter, and more hitting the nail on the head. She dressed herself in men's clothing. Wow. That gives the whole game away. Come on, man. It does. And if you want to be super open about it, uh, it also goes by the woman's name, which you could say Lily Monroe, uh, which is what it's known for in Alan Lomax's Folk Songs of North America from 1960. Uh, it also goes by Lily Hugh, Pretty Polly, Sing Low, Lori O, Stormy Lily Home, and Sing Lay the Lily Low. I like that. Sing Lay the Lily Low uh, from 1952. Or you could just call it something like... The East Wind Blowing from the Southward and Call It a Day. You sure could. Which is also a title for this song. Uh, Bob Dylan recorded this song in 1993 in his garage in Malibu. The only other song we've heard from World Gone Wrong is Stackily, episode 77. Highly recommend listening to that. Wait, I these still... are both on the same album? Same album. Oh, the man was feeling a hyphen. He was like, I feeling need a hyphen. me a hyphen. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's pretty bad. So and that's it. I mean, that's really all I got for you. Obviously, there's two live versions that we're gonna get into in a minute. Oh, I'm curious if uh, I'm sure there are a ton. We would not have enough time on yes. earth to go over the versions lyrically of this song. No, but I would imagine with the ones that are at least named Lily or whatever, they they must name the mm. the woman in those versions of the song. I would think because she is not named in this. She gives the pseudonym no. of Jack Rowe, but other than that she's not actually given a name. She is just referred to as like it's frustrating because she's the subject of the song but she's not actually given agency. She's only a daughter or a lover. She's not sure. a person. I mean she is a little bit, but like like that's how we introduced to her. I mean, I'm sure yeah. we'll go over that in a moment. But we will. And I mean, I also think it's one of those things where I wonder how how cute you're trying to be where you're not trying to give things away. So you are like, I don't know, playing coy with like, it's a woman and she's doing man stuff. Like, I don't know. Is that, <laughs> is that enough? She's doing man stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this one honestly was a really weird one for me because um, we're recording this one day before Bob Dylan's birthday, one day before his 80th birthday. There That's are right. celebrations. There's live streams, panels going on as we talk about this. And all I could think about is like, we did Changing of the Guards. We did Ain't Talking. Even I'm not there. We did Baby, um, 
what was it? Uh, it's all over now, baby blue. We did all these old songs, all these great ones that I think I would just be more amped about for this like week because I've been I've been reading Clinton Halen's new book. I've been rereading Robert Shelton's book before that came out. I'm like in a weird little Bob Dylan mood just because of all of the hoopla going around. And then I have to listen to this one. And I'm not and I'm not saying that it's good, bad necessarily, but of all the songs and we'll probably pick a great one that we'll do next week. And it's like and at least it's not death is not the end. I mean, that's all I got to say. Um, Ooh, yeah. But but in, in that sense, it's kind of been weird to listen to just because it's been something of a letdown in that regard, because I just find myself wanting to listen to other stuff. And then I, I remember that we have to do this song. And this is a song that I never really listened to, to be honest. In Portland at Mississippi Studios every year around Bob mm. Dylan's birthday, the weekend of Bob Dylan's birthday, right. they do a, a show celebrating. Somebody does a show celebrating Bob Dylan. I don't know what it entails, but I tried to get you to go to it with me oh. like three years ago. If we had known the pandemic was going to happen, would you have gone? Oh, yeah. In retrospect. <laughs> that would have sounded that would have should have gone. We should have. But gone. who knew about the pandemic? Well, yeah, Kelly, don't worry. Still, it's almost over. We'll be there. We'll do it. Well, I'm just saying we should go next year because this year was just a live stream, obviously. Yeah. Probably happened. We yesterday. should also go see Bob Dylan. Yeah, we tried. We tried so hard. We did. We did. And speaking of seeing Bob Dylan live, he did play this song twice on November 16th and November 17th, 1993 at the infamous Supper Club. We know now that inside the Bob Dylan Center Museum that's opening next year, that they have the full live version of this. We've known that for a while now, but I haven't been able to talk about it. So excited for the future release of that. But Kelly, we did listen to, obviously, this version, World Gone Wrong. We listened to two live versions that are, you know, pretty similar, but also kind of different tempo-wise. What was your um, overall, you know, thoughts about the live versions, and which one did you prefer out of all of them? So that was the only two times he's ever played it, is those two only nights? Only two times. The mm-hmm. one on each night? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're awesome. I mean, yeah. banjo, bluegrass, fantastic. So the first night, the 16th, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's it's like very raucous like immediately like we are doing bluegrass there is a banjo there is yes. a slide guitar which by the way the keening sound that slide guitar make is fantastic because it really cuts through out of nowhere you're just like Wow. and at first i thought it was a saw because it was like you know that's that wow that you ever you never hear like a somebody play sure. a saw it's it wasn't intense and the the bass is so plucky i was like god because it's so bluegrassy i really hope that it's that old-timey like bucket bass you know what i'm talking about where it's just one yeah. long string on oh, like a broom with a bucket at the end oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. that thing's so. insane because pitch is all about tension right so it's right. just one long wire going down so you just a play big a pole yeah, yeah yeah you just move your finger up and down it to make the different pitches and uh that's like an old-timey jug band uh instrument but yeah i was like that would be perfect right here but yeah god damn it banjo gets it I wish I had a balloon (laughs) because (laughs) I saw on the internet that if you put a balloon in the resonator of an acoustic guitar, so like in the hole, and blow it up, it makes kind of a tinny banjo-y type sound. And I was like, oh, man, I totally want to pretend that this is my guitar and the banjo and play well, it. I think uh, you sh- we'll have a couple of banjo songs in the future when we get okay. some happy trom in here. So what? It, well, I'll remind you of this banjo story so we can 
try to make that sound when we get yeah. I shall be released and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, just to shout out the people playing this because it's incredible. Um, a great, you know, version of the never ending tour. We've got Bucky. Is yep. there a mandolin, too? Well, it doesn't look it doesn't look like it. So we got Bucky Baxter. Okay. He is playing the the pedal steel guitar and electric slide guitar. Right. Now he does play the mandolin as well uh, as a multi instrumentalist. Um, so it, you know it could very well be there. Uh, John Jackson plays guitar, but in this case he is playing banjo on both nights. Uh, Tony Garnier, of course, is on the bass. Uh, Winston Watson is playing drums and percussion, and Bob Dylan, of course, is on vocals. So a tight five five piece band. Uh, really making incredible music, and yeah, that first show, the the sixteenth, the banjo is fire. The ban- and it's in the middle of the set too, so I think that also matters because the second night it's number nine out of ten. So I think we're slowing down the night, whereas in the first show, the sixteenth, it's like right in the middle of the set, banjo's going crazy, and it it was great. I really, 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 really love that version, and um, I would much rather listen to it over World Gone Wrong any day. Mm. Yeah, the um, the second night, uh, the, the the next night, it's it it is really similar. Other than uh, it's a little more restrained, like dynamically, it's more interesting because they really play with 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 volume, uh, and they start much slower. Like they they, it's basically yeah. only the banjo and a little bit of drums uh, for for the first verse or two, and then it builds like the instruments come in, which is also really interesting. Other than like the slide guitar with that keening sound, like excellent punctuation in certain points, but it, it does right. reach a pitch about the not pitch musically but like a fever pitch about the same way it, it, it ends pretty similar it does yeah it does it does i think it's just i think you can for some reason i could just you can just tell that they're not the same place. It's just like a little bit slower until it moves up. It just feels like the the one from the night before on the 16th just like starts fast yeah. and like boom. This does have a more like somber energy somehow. Like the key hasn't changed. The notes aren't different. It's interesting no. just by sheer arrangement and, and playing with dynamics loud and soft. That's all you have to do to really change the emotion of a song. It's music's cool. It's, Music is pretty yeah. cool. And that World Gone Wrong version, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Obviously, Bob and a guitar, we're not going to complain. I love how the refrains, the oh, blah, 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 blah. All of that. I love how his O sort of melds in with his strumming. Like, I just love how you almost can't hear when he goes into that O and then all of a sudden he'll do the O and then start singing. I think vocally with him, this is a pretty, pretty great performance on tape in the garage in 1993. And I think it works really, really well. Um, But like I said, it's not something I ever went to over the years, mainly because I, you know, I, this is an underappreciated era for me as a Bob Dylan fan. I will and, say vocally, I do agree that the version that's on World Gone Wrong is is far superior to the two live versions. I did not really love his voice uh, on the two live performances, yeah. but the music was enough to really distract you from it. Um, I was really trying to listen to the crowd because I th- I find it contextually so fun because I've never seen Bob Dylan and I just really like to try to get into the mind of people that enjoy his music that aren't you because I have your perspective no offense I do enjoy it and I'm right. glad we're still building on it but you are a specific type of person and I don't know that you necessarily sure. represent the Bob Dylan fan if there is such an archetype but I don't think there is I think that like people no. who like music not just Bob Dylan but any music can come in all shapes mm. and sizes right in all frames of mind, and all political views, and all religious beliefs. So there's not really ever going to be 
well, I don't know. New metal people are pretty the same. Uh, but <laughs> for Bob Dylan, so to hear people live at his show is really like cool for me. So um, I couldn't yeah. really make out what they were saying the first night so much. But on the second night, right when he kicks off, there's definitely a guy who's screaming over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it feel? Now, I don't know if he's just like, that's something that Bob Dylan gets shouted at all the like that just is shouted at him because of like a Rolling Stone or if that guy really wanted to hear like a Rolling Stone and forgot the name of the song. I don't know which it is. Yeah. Or he's or he's uh, hyped up and he's telling his friends, you know, how does it feel to be out of Bob Dylan? You know, who knows? Who knows? I don't think it was that. I really don't yeah. think it was that. Ooh. I don't I, I love I love the Woo, guy who's doing I'm it. Drunk. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. And a lot of stuff, especially when he's yeah. playing outdoors and in the baseball stadiums later, like it's sometimes hard to listen to those because you have to contend with the people there like screaming and yelling and stuff. And that's why, like, again, this version is very pristine. It sounds excellent, whoever's recording it. But there's probably a soundboard, too. I mean, they, they recorded this. So we actually there is mm. film. So there's a great chance that someday we're going to get like the release. But again, like a lot of like. Um, blood on the tracks we heard most of those already just because they've been bootlegged and sure you get this definitive lovely sounding one but what we had before was pretty damn good this one just recontextualizes the whole thing into one big thing here we have a really great version so i wonder if this comes out it definitely can't come out as just an album i feel like it needs to have that component of the whole video because that is what people have been clamoring for forever that seems like a big misstep for a company like Columbia that would want to make that money why did you not put that on a DVD? that's the thing I think that we go through these Dylan things where we I think we can look at it right now and we've been talking about it for so long that it feels inevitable but at 93 Bob Dylan was at his, his lowest point you know I mean oh mercy was pretty big mm. but it, that was more of a fluke than anything else he was going back to recording these folk songs right uh with world with good as I've been to you and world gone wrong this is not this is the mark of somebody who is on the decline. So I think there's an element of that too, where it's like, we're not going to invest our time and our money into marketing this and putting it out there. Who knows? Also today, it's so easy. You know, you just pop it online. You're done. I mean, we talked about this last week or sure. whatever, right? Where you, we don't, if you don't have to store stuff, you just pop it up online. You're done. But back in the day, it's almost like, well, we got to like make this. People have to go out to a store and buy this. Uh, that probably right. wouldn't have worked back then. But today, fuck yeah. I popped that up on Amazon or whatever. You know, people watch it on Prime. I think they would. So I have a lot of questions about this performance, but hopefully it actually is released and we can go over it then because it's not really relevant to this song. Uh, the the guy that screamed the how does it feel or possibly a different sure. man with the same similar voice also requested one too many mornings, which I'm assuming is a song, mm. which I think he plays right after on the on tonight, actually, that night, if it's the 16th. Oh. No, you said you didn't know. So on the 16th, I think the next song, because uh, John Jackson plays banjo for One Too Many Mornings oh, as well. So okay. I think maybe if they were there before, gotcha. they knew that after Ragged, after um, Jack O'Rourke came, gotcha. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. One Too Many Mornings. But this was the ninth song, so then number 10 was like a Rolling Stone, maybe? I don't know. So How does it I feel, guy? What must have been stoked? Stoked, stoked. I mean, they definitely have a, a version. I don't know how many times they played it, but yeah, Jack O'Rourke. I mean, they played a lot of World Gone Wrong, so it's the the premiere for a couple of uh, like Ragged and Dirty, Delilah, uh, you know, are on there. Uh, I shall be released as he he recorded it for this too. So he did a couple of the alternate, you know, d- double takes, but a lot of it was new. So of our forty songs, you know, I think there's like thirty new ones, and then just a couple of repeat. I think for the maybe the first time ever. The people yelling at this, maybe because I just haven't been to a show in forever. No one's been to a show in forever. I, know. Uh, I was like, 
it's kind of weird that people just scream shit at you. That you're up on a stage and people are just yelling shit. Not not even like words, just <laughs> literally just yelling. Just so excited because you're there. I mean, one one of the drunk women in the audience was definitely getting a "We love you, Bob." Going, and that was echoed a bunch of times. Uh, but which is pretty rote, you know, pretty standard for a show. Uh, but sure. I just like. You were a punk rocker. How strange is it to have mm. people yelling at you? Just yelling. Well, I mean, at a punk rock show, it's so much so much easier to contend with, right? I mean, you in between sets, you got to yell, you know, play this fucking song. And then you're going to have <laughs> them say, fuck you. We're not doing what you say. <laughs> and that's that's pretty typical, right? I mean, we've been at plenty of shows where people are shouting down, you know, play this song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, for a like a sort of performance like this where you're going in and you're sitting down for dinner and stuff yeah it is weird to become like a rabid bob dylan fan when like i feel like we all need to read the room and like kind of appreciate what's happening and not start yelling shit at some guy with an acoustic guitar and like in a a roughly instrumental type band i mean i know there's drums and stuff but it's pretty understated you know but obviously he's loud enough where i'm sure he can't hear all of that stuff but if it was if it was just him playing as like acoustic guitar by himself I'm sure it would get very old if people are just screaming at you. I guess that's the thing, right? It, it really, usually the music di- dictates the environment, right? So like yes. at a punk show, everybody's fucking yelling and you feed off that energy because you're about to play a crazy song where you're just fucking yelling and it's all just a wonderful totally. echo of yelling. Uh, but, you know, yes. seeing Sarah McLaughlin at the Schnitz, if somebody was just angrily, drunkenly being like, play fucking Surface A right now, <laughs> like, that would be pretty intense, right? Like, totally. Well, I, I think about I think about Laura Jane Grace, you know, she brought out, I mean, last time we saw her against me in 2019, they, she, you know, she popped out the acoustic guitar, right, you true. know, by herself and played a couple of old against me songs from Reinventing Axl Rose and stuff. And that was awesome because it was implicitly a sing-along and all of us to have this cathartic break. Whereas as much as I love Bob, you know, nobody's having a cathartic break to him singing Boots of Spanish Leather, right? I mean, you might have it because it's beautiful or whatever, but you're not screaming it at the top of your lungs. You're not participating in the style of music. It's not the same style at all. Right. I mean, that's definitely a thing, too. Or if, you, if you've got Lord Jane Grace playing a punk song on acoustic guitar, there's an expectation there, whereas you wouldn't expect her if she was, you know, but if she was playing Boots of Spanish Leather, would we be screaming? I don't know. Maybe we would have all quieted down. And well, happen. forever. Um, we'll have to remind everyone the last show we saw Francis Quinlan. It was definitely a more mm. subdued vibe. And there was a drunk guy there who was like mm. losing his mind like yeah let's fuck it. and everybody was like can you shut up and his girlfriend did harangue yeah. him and get him out of the place That's because it right. was inappropriate uh right. even i mean she could definitely get there but by herself it was not quite the raucous event you know especially when you you cue it up with fucking mary Lattimore, you know <laughs> to start it's like okay we're listening to down type of harp rock if that's a thing guys <laughs> right harp right <laughs> let's harp rock that's incredible <laughs> Yeah, it also, but it sucks for her, right? Because then there you are, you're in a you're in a popular enough band, then you're doing your own solo stuff, and now you have to contend with, hey, play this song. I'm sure, like, right. you know, you're out there with, you know, um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and they're screaming, do the Neil Young, Ohio, or something. It's like, well, I was on that record, but that's not my song. I'm here with my other friends, not Neil Young, right? <laughs> but you have to do that because you were associated at one time with Neil Young, so you're just gonna get screamed at. Yeah, like. That sucks. That sucks. Or you're Amanda Palmer and you cave every time. You're like, 
I know you came to see me, Amanda Palmer, who is a solo artist, but you keep screaming Dresden Doll songs at me. So I will play those Dresden Doll songs because they're my fucking songs anyway. And that's a whole other situation. Yes. And I'm sure Francis can get away with that, too. And right. she did. And she, she did. played she Hop did. Along yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think you can do that. It's like a Wilburys, right? I mean, you could play a Wilbury song along with your solo and, and cover stuff, too. I mean, again. I just can't wait to see live shows again. But it is nice to listen to people be excited about seeing live shows back in the past. But Kelly, I want to talk about the song itself before we get out of here. Um, In the Law Ballad Index, N7 is what it goes under. They, I love them because they do a description, uh, the earliest date of like recording and keywords. So if you're searching their database, you can find it. So I want to go through this and then you tell me if this kind of jives with what you heard. The description for this song uh, from them is, quote, a rich girl loves a soldier slash sailor. Her father does not and has the boy pressed to Germany. She disguises herself and enlists under the name Jackie Monroe. And I think that can be kind of whatever version we're in when her lover is wounded she nurses him she reveals her identity they are married Mm. sounds about right minus the germany part but that we'll get to that earliest date for this was 1818 uh in a book called mary book of garlands um probably from scotland or who knows where keywords for this kelly love cross-dressing disguise (laughs) injury medicine and marriage Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> I love that this fucking archival catalog has a entry for or a sort filter for cross dressing. Yes, yes, it's amazing. I mean, this is the Mulan effect, right? I mean, this is basically yeah. Mulan. Well, I mean, I laugh, but it's legit. I mean, throughout history, women have tried, like, had to disguise themselves to do anything that was, you know, we have a quote unquote uh, man's yeah. purview, you know, right? Like that's happened totally forever until you know very recent memory because we can actually sisters are doing it for themselves now. Haven't you heard feminism and totally things? So yeah, and I things. mean that makes total sense that there would be a category, but like, just to hear it kind of out of context of everything. Just I know it's great, pretty great. It's great. I I love it. So yeah, we'll we'll obviously visit these every time we do an old song like this. Uh, Bob Dylan, of of course, wrote the uh, liner notes for all of these. So uh, this is Bob Dylan in the liner note for World Gone Wrong. This is his quote. Um, Quote, Jack Rowe is another Tom Pally ballad. Tom, who was in uh, the New Lost City Ramblers. Um, Going back to Bob. The young virgin follows her heart, which can't be contained. And in it, the secrets of the universe. There was a wealthy merchant, wealthy and philosophically influential, perhaps, with an odd penchant for young folk. The song cannot be categorized, is words away from reality, but gets inside reality anyway, and strips it of its steel and concrete. Inverted symmetry, legally stateless, traveling under a false passport. Before you step into the board, sir, are you any good at what you do? Submerge you personality. Submerge your personality? I'll have to check that. I'm sorry, who was saying that? That was Bob Dylan. Those are Bob Dylan's notes okay. in World Gone Wrong. Okay. He's wrong, but that's okay. So the Tom Pally version, along with the Joan Baez version, are similar. I mean, almost exactly the same as Bob Dylan's version. If I was going to go out on a limb, I would say the version Dylan's doing, which is Baez's version, which is Tom Pally's version, um, are all the same. This body you may prison, my heart you can't confine. There's none but Jack the Sailor can have this heart of mine. Oh, can have this heart of mine. Now Jackie's gonna sail in with trouble. However, there are 
awesome variations. So one of the earliest ones outside of Tom Pally that came from 1953 in his album, Folk Songs from the Southern Appalachians, is a guy named A.L. Lloyd uh, from 1956. He's got an album called English Street Songs. This is not on Spotify, but I found it on YouTube, and I will play it below as we talk because... It is a really interesting, it's very Scottish, very Highlands. He takes a lot of the lyrics, which I assume are in a lot of the other versions, and really crams them together. So I want to go through the song here, and I want to sort of bring to you more information, Kelly, because I think it'll illuminate this song a little bit more. Well, all upon the battlefield she floated up and down. Till among the dead and wounded, her darling John, she found to me turned away the way. Lloyd said in the 1956 uh, English street songs, he wrote about this song because a lot of times with these folk artists, there's a lot of written information because they want to say where they found the song, how they whatever. Uh, So his little introduction to it is. Uh, Thus, quote, the figure of the maiden warrior, the girl who dresses herself in soldiers or sailors clothes and follows her lover to wars was a constant favorite with street balladeers. Scholars have traced the line of such heroines from the days of Hercules and Hippolyte to Mary to Mary Ambry, who was like a a, somebody during the 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 European wars. I, I forget which one and beyond Jackie Monroe. One of the completest treatments of the theme has become a rarity in England and Scotland, though versions of the ballad are not uncommon in America. In spite of its Scottish title name and one or two North Country expressions, this version is regarded as being unmistakably English in text and tune. So narratively, we'll just kind of go through the song. So like most of the songs, the thing that draws everything together is there was a wealthy merchant in London he did dwell. Now, if we're talking about Cuba, I'm sure he's in Havana. If we're in Santa Fe, we're in you know, Albuquerque or whatever. I don't know. But there's always a wealthy merchant and there's always this love interest. And that's pretty typical. And that's what Bob Dylan sets up here. We get to know them as the guy is Jackie Frazier, right? So Jackie Frazier, right? That's in our version. Yeah, he gets named Jackie Frazier. Okay, he gets named as Jackie Frazier, but we don't know her name. So the setup's always the same. So there's not a lot to talk about there. Classic ballad, here's the setup. We've got two lovers that are not together, so we need to get them together. Part two is the conflict, right? This is where I think uh, his version, the A.L. Green version from 1956, is so interesting because in our version, we don't actually get a whole lot of information, right? The next verse we have in quotes, oh, daughter, oh, daughter. So we can assume it's the father talking. Your body I will confine if none the jacked sailor uh, would ever suit your mind. He doesn't want them to be together, right? This is very, I mean, I know we're talking about boats and stuff, and this is an easy analogy, especially since the, like, figure is named Jack. But, like, this is kind of the plot of Pirates of the Caribbean, kind of. That's that, And I think that that's also vital. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that this this is part of all of that that just sort yeah. of seeps in. But, but I think what's confusing here is that we get, all of a sudden, we hear about Jackie Frazier, and then all of a sudden we have the father who's like, I will literally throw you in prison if you try to get with this guy. So we don't learn anything else. And she just says, see you later. Sayonara. In the A.L. Green, in the A.L. Lloyd version and in other versions, we get more information. So there is a great line that says, and when my father came to know so angry that he swore, I'll give the gang 10 guineas to press young John to the war. So we have the dad actively going out of his way to say, I will to get him away to impress. Yeah. yeah. And so this was the era of impressment, right, where you can just go down the street and say, you're fucking joining the Navy. 
drag their ass to the Navy oh, because it's needed. So that's th- a thing. No, that was the War of eighteen twelve was fought over it in America. I mean, not that was one of the many reasons, but one of them was that Americans were being impressed into the British Royal Navy because. They could, oh, right? Because they we were too weak to fight or whatever. And they were just like, fuck you. We're fighting Napoleon. Come over. You're, you're fighting with us. And they're like, I'm not from wow. England. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> so that was a huge, that was a huge thing. And in the, in the treaties that ended the, that war, one of them was no more impressment. You can't impress our men. And that's the word for it, to just impress them into service. So I think that's what's going on here. Essentially, we have in Bob's version, somebody essentially just going to war to fight a war. You know, he's he's choosing to do that. But here in the A.L. Lloyd version, we've got, you know, this threat that I'm going to make him go to war. You know, fuck this guy. I don't want him around my daughter. And I'm rich and powerful, so I can just pay to have somebody come, you know, not just randomly, but I'll make them come and do it. Uh, so, of course, we get, you know, him leaving in our song, in Bob's version. But there's another line, too, where we get this Germany element. So in his version, he sings, so she sailed all around the ocean over the deep blue sea till she got safely landed in the wars of Germany. Now, that makes a little more sense, too, because Germany was the site of so much battles, not just in the 20th century, but also in the 19th century as well. The Napoleonic Wars were definitely a thing. A lot of it was fought in Germany, around Germany. Germany was an enormous entity back in the day um, as a confederation, but also as the state of Germany when it finally you know, unified for the first time. Um, so, you know, it sort of places us in time and place as well, but we don't get that from Bob's version. We just get some random person, which we assume is the father, but we have to do a little thinking on that, uh, saying you're not going anywhere and, and just deuces. She just leaves. And in another ver in the AL Lloyd version, she doesn't just leave. Um, there's a line that says, but she robbed her wicked old father, got money at her command, and she went to list in the army, all dressed up like a man. Again, there's your agency, right? You want to see her be like, I need money, so I'm just going to steal from my stupid fucking dad, and I'm going to run off to find my boyfriend. Bam. <laughs> but here we're just like, I'm just going to go off. I mean, it's the same thing. It's not quite as badass, but it's the same thing. She's like, Jackie's gone to sailing, right? He's he For whatever reason, he has... I mean, he could have voluntarily enlisted in in the war efforts or he could have still been like conscripted or or impressed in some way maybe not even from her dad but just you know the draft is a thing in america too so it's you know could have happened regardless uh although the shang getting shanghai is that that sucks yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's that's the word that 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 would suck exactly well and it was more of a threat so i don't know if even in that version it's real uh and then we get to like the the next turning point in the song which is the mulan riff which is hey I, you can call me Jack Rowe. I'm dressed a certain way. Who are you? Tell me your name. My name is Jack, whatever you, you make up the name and you put yourself into military service. It also gets very brutal because in this song and in most of the songs too, she's like, you think I'm small, slender, slight, my fingers are small, whatever. Um, but I won't be afraid to see 10,000 people oh, yeah. dead in front of me. Like fucking brutal i've man. been around okay guy i have been around. I've been around i also like that she's faced with somebody who's going to possibly you know spoiler the whole situation like she's you're gonna get me caught dude and he's like what's your name son and she's like the only name i know is my boyfriend's name my name is jack shit i can't say his last name oh <laughs> right that's a normal name get on board sir <laughs> Is that hyphenated not or not hyphenated? I'm sorry, you can't hear you oh, on the other no. side of the ship. Bye. <laughs> 
Yeah, so so you know she gets on eventually, right? I mean, in this version, most of these versions are like this. So we're basically giving the bona fides that she is a real man, manly man who wants to see death and destruction and won't blink That's an eye right. at it. So I love dead bodies, love dead bodies, love hyper masculine energy. Bam, she is radiating that for sure. Part four, we get to the war, of course, uh, which ends immediately. So we, not, I don't think any of these songs. Uh, ruminate on the war necessarily because the next line we learn is the war is over <laughs> and uh, among the dead and dying she finds her boyfriend on the ground now I want to give these these three lines to you Kelly because this is this is I cannot believe that this is not part of Bob Dylan's song um, because it's too good not to be in so this is insane but anyways in in this other version of the song by A.L. Lloyd and a lot of other versions uh, we you know we find the the man we find the the Jack. boyfriend and here we just sort of move on and we're like, we're getting married. But there's there's some lines here and I want to read them to you. They have promoted me, she said. They have promoted me unto a colonel's commission so married we can be. And up then spoke the general. Such things there cannot be. It's against the laws of the, our country. Two men, two married be. And then up spoke the chaplain. Such things I will not allow. She drew her broadsword from her side. I'll make this do for you. So she's threatening the chaplain at the end. Uh, yeah, this woman is incredible. And I wish she has a name. We can call her Lily. Other people have called her Lily. That's fine. She's like, she could have very easily just like cut her shit, her shirt open and been like, look, I'm a lady. But you don't want to sacrifice that new sweet colonel pay. So I get it. But like not only breaking down barriers, enlisting in the army, having to reveal your actual identity <laughs> to do so, risking life and limb. We glossed over the war, but uh, assuming it was brutal and she must have done some great heroic shit if she was promoted. She got promoted. So not only is she not sacrificing on what she wants to do, willing to risk it all for it, but then when she could easily just be like, oh, Jack, I found you. Let's get married and just like, you know, disrobe or whatever to be clothes. like, I'm a lady. It's fine. Right. Everything's fine. Uh, she's like, no, you know what? I'm a dude and I'm going to get gay married to this guy. And you know what? if you have a problem, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, double badass. Amazing. <laughs> so why isn't this part of our narrative? That's what I want to know. Uh, so anyways, I read that. And I was like, this is fucking great. This is so awesome. <laughs> uh, so even back then, we were sort of playing with that stuff. I mean, it's been around forever, Kelly. It's been around forever. Did you know gay people existed before 1960s? Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't because that's, you know, what we've been led to believe. But yeah, it turns out as long as there have been people, there have been gay people. Can you imagine? I know. No, I just thought there were a bunch of like-minded people who didn't even know one another at Stonewall. And then all of a sudden, they, they read on the calendar <laughs> that today is the day. And it's, it's happening. We're all here. And then everything was perfect forever. <laughs> and everything was fine. Everything was fine. And then we get to the end of the song. So we've left the, the, the gayness of our narrative behind. And we get what I can only describe as like... I laughed out loud at how fucking horrible this penultimate verse is. And I just want to read it to you, Kelly, because remember, this is a song. She picked him up all in her arms and oh, carries yeah. him to town yeah. and sent for her physician to quickly heal his wounds. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, there's a lot of funky accents in the UK. There really are. But I don't know that there's one that would would rhyme town and wound. I mean, that's town, what I mean. I mean, it just has to become the word wound at that point to heal his wounds. Wound. Wounds is wounds, yeah. It has to be. Well, and and it's Bob Dylan is. If there's one artist in the history of that of could American make it work, music, if not music in general, to make it work, it has made it work. It's Bob fucking Dylan. And what does he do? He doesn't even try. He doesn't even try. I don't think you can. I, 
That's what I mean. I don't think you can either, especially if you're trying to play it straight and you're not doing it with like super elongation. I mean, he wanted to stick to a formula. Make up a better thing, man. Town and wounds. They don't they're not even close. Come on. Yeah, not. Good. And like we talked about with yeah. Stackley, um, it was earlier in the song for me that I got heavy like Bob Dylan Stackley vibes where I'm like, oh, no, there's probably so many better versions out here. Like as much as I love Bob Dylan and I think that this little project he's doing over these two records is awesome. They're just not they're not as good. They're not as good as other people. You know, the, the, these are just acoustic renditions of songs that he's known and enjoyed throughout his life. And then we get the hilarious ending at the end, which I think is just really bonkers as well. If you really sit and think about it heavy Black Diamond Bay vibes where in the end we were just being led on a story where in fact whoever is our narrator is actually using this story to convince us to marry them. The couple, they got married so well did they agree. This couple, they got married so why not you and me? Oh. And can you imagine I'm singing the song and I end that and I just stare deeply into whoever I'm singing that to's eyes and they're like, "Okay, so is this a proposal? Like what are we you doing?" You think that the narrator like this is not I I I thought this was the the girl singing to Jack who's dying. No, I think so, but I mean for me when I'm listening to it I'm just like all of a sudden, it's like we've like transported out of our bodies and you're talking directly to me now. And I know so she's talking to him, but it's just like, yeah. what are we, do people? And that's that's consistent throughout. I mean, the A.L. Lloyd version surprisingly does not end like that. But a lot of the versions end with this whole like marriage thing where I mean, obviously, they're talking to one another. But I think it's making the larger point, which is look at all the stuff they go through. Our love is just as strong and powerful or whatever the hell, you know, I'm just thinking about the person listening to this and being like, I don't, I just see you as a friend. Sorry. I don't want to be <laughs> like, tough. This is a neat song or whatever, but like I have to go. Yeah. That last verse, you should nix that. Cause A.L. Lloyd saying, uh, so now the two got married as you plainly know. And John, the wounded soldier got his little Jackie Monroe. Nice. Easy. And that tells you exactly, you don't have to like, play this game where it's like, who's talking to who, you know, which is a nice thing. As long as they do that is great. Bob Dylan does that a lot where you don't know who's talking to who or why. And a lot of times you think they're talking to you. This one just set, sums it up. Hey, they got married. Cool. Thank you for listening. This was a narrative song. Thank you. You you listened to the narrative. It all paid off. Thank you. Bye. You won. And Bob's is like, no, we're not going to do it. So anyways, I mean, what, I, a, what a weird song. When you get to the end, it kind of makes sense that he took out what he did. The less meat you have in the song, the easier it is to just, end with and they got married <laughs> because it's like oh you didn't really go through this like the more harrowing you make the tale the more details you add the less of an easy fluffy song with a fucked up penultimate verse uh it is to make you know like i just come on come on yeah but i'm, I'm glad that you mentioned specifically the wound town thing because holy shit it really brought me out of it she picked him up all in her arms and carried him into town and So, Kelly, we spent the whole week on Jack and we listened to uh, pretty much this version. A couple others we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, the Baez, the A.L. Lloyd, all of that are being played underneath. But we didn't actually listen to those. That was not part of this whole project. It was something I kind of went down. It spirals out so fast. Out so and fast. I and I don't really want to listen to I don't want to revisit Stackley no, situation. No. Although, I mean, it was really cool to get, you know, Nick Cave because, oh, my God. But. Uh, you know, having a, a playlist with the same song 8 million times is not necessarily instructive. And I think that's going to answer our question, Kelly. Does that work? Does this song work today in 2021? For me, 
like I mentioned up top, it, it just instantly evokes like an Irish folk song thing, which I guess is problematic and blasphemous as it was not Irish, but, you know, English and possibly Scottish. English, Scottish. Uh, right, right. So sorry, UK, Ireland. I know you guys don't have any bad blood and I'm sure this won't conjure up any problems. No, but, not at all. Um, but it, it certainly is evocative of that style of old folk music. So in the sense it is timeless, like it's interesting with that style of music, it is at once timeless because it's like, it stretches on for like a big history of music, but also feels very dated immediately for me. So it's like, you can really feel a time and place because you don't actually don't know. I I wonder if there, and I mean, there certainly are niche contemporary folk bands that are doing this. There certainly are. Sure. Um, well, we had Sakali where there there were contemporary takes on it, but but that's the problem too with something like Sakali, which is like when we talk about Sakali, which what made it so great was that people were interpreting it in all these different realms. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't see the world of Jackaro being an expanded universe. Like there's nothing mythological in the way that that Stagger is a character out of time right. and shows up all over the place. Jack Arrow is just a loser on a fucking boat. I mean, no offense, but <laughs> it, they're not, but, but they're just, they're, there's not enough information for it to be an iconic character, you know? Mm-hmm. So like listening to the same song over and over, I don't think I could do that. And I don't think I could do that with Stack Lee either. What made our playlist and, and, and all of that research so great was that, you know, diving into his use as a character in all these other types of songs, you know, and Nick Cave being the primest example of like how dark it can get, but he just shows up in other people's songs. It's great. Yeah. The looking at it, even lyrically, you're right because lyrically it's evoking ships and stuff. And outside of literally the Navy or or any of the armed forces, you're not on boats. Like other than recreational use, you're not on ships like that. Right. Like it it really immediately puts you in a time of place so that it does lose that entity of where Stackley could become a modern figure. I mean, you you would have to do work to make her a modern figure, right? You would, you could, but you would have to do work. Um, where Stackley really lends itself because it's a revenge kind of moment, right? So, I think that in the very niche context of folk music, I, I mean, sorry, sorry, shots fired in folk music, <laughs> but uh, it works. But I don't think that it it necessarily works. I I don't think a, a random youth uh, in the year twenty twenty one would get down on this but i will say musically that also bears that out because i want to show you something so this song is an a minor i'm pretty sure <laughs> um uh and there's only four chords it's uh a minor c f and uh e minor yes Mi- major e major e major right because e major is and then e minor is yeah e major great um so I'm gonna just play it real quick if, if yeah, you know, this is the song. Basically. I'm not gonna play it as fast, because gosh, it's fast. But you you really wanna um it, emphasize the root note first. That's how you get that trim pattern in, so So it does that over and over, yeah. right? But if you, like, I would love to do the crazy banjo version, but I don't sure, know how to banjo. Sure, sure. But you could do, you could easily turn this into a Travis picking song, and then it'll start to sound. I don't have that mic so low. It'll pick up up there. Here we go. Uh, it'll 
it'll sound like the banjo a little bit, right? You could do the. It really lends itself to that easy. I guess the banjo was more like a. But while I was playing it with the, like a nice little Travis picking, I was like, this is feeling very familiar. <laughs> and then it's <laughs> so like, wait a second. second House of Rising Sun Absolutely especially when you get into like the chorusy parts right Oh, wow, I can't hit an F chord to save my life. There we go. I mean, it's pretty much even the same strum pattern, so I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I mean, go figure. Well, There's only, I can't trust enough. There's D. only 12 notes. <laughs> In the Western canon of music, there's only 12 notes, Daniel, which means right, there's only right. so many chords you can make, and A minor is A minor is A minor, even though that's not A minor, actually. The House of Rising Sun's in a different key. That instant connection, which is also an older song, I was like, okay. We, it, that, playing the old song made me think of even more old songs. All that to say, I don't think it works in 2021. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, w- I would be on the same level. Uh, historically, sure. I'm always going to come down on the side of history. Uh, connections to old ballads. Um, you can go through the route and the and the Fresno State or Fresno, you know, libraries and see all the connections. Super cool. But uh, yeah, just really not not for me. It was kind of the same as Stackley. Like his version was by far the worst version out of everything we listened to. That's not the case so much here. But just like that penultimate verse and just kind of I don't know. I. I'd rather listen to Boots of Spanish Leather. If we're going to be on a boat, we're going to talk about ships. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it just comes down to that. I will say that the concert alone, like that's it's it's saved forever in my eyes because even with the Supper Club, I've only heard it probably once or twice in my life. I never really thought about Jack O'Row, and now I did, and it was awesome. And I'm glad that I listened to it, and that's really cool. In the context of that, in the context of uh, the record, of course, all of that's good. But like the longing, like the song, what it's trying to evoke for me, I felt nothing. Like even I'm not there last week, I could feel it in the way that he was delivering it. I could feel it in the in the slowness and the pain, all of that kind of stuff. I I I could relate with that. This one feels so far away, but not really right because like Mulan and and all those stories are not like dime a dozen. Like oh, every woman dresses up to go to war. Like, but it also like I think if you're not listening to it carefully enough, you're going to miss all of that. Like it's not as like overt. Obviously, if you're watching a movie like Mulan. We get it, right? Because I'm watching a movie. But here, if you just don't listen to the lyrics, like you said, where you're just listening to the song and it's in the background, it doesn't mean anything. And as a song just sitting there on the face of it, I don't think it's that interesting. So as a folk song, it's fine. But it just kind of washes over me, honestly. So happy birthday, Bob, but no thanks. (laughs) Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast? Indeed. We are everywhere at SOTW Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, SOTWpod.com. You can find our playlist for every single episode that we've done at that website. Uh, you can find our show notes at that website. Everything you could ever want there, always at your disposal. We also make a playlist every week. Oh, well, we also have a Patreon. Oh, hey, so if you're yeah. interested in giving us a dollar, if you give any amount, you're going to sponsor the next episode. Um, 
so you can look forward to that. And all we ask is, you know, a dollar. If you've enjoyed listening to us, um, do that. If you, if you don't have a dollar, that's totally fine. Uh, if you want to like our stuff on iTunes and tell people about it, that's great as well. Um, obviously, Bob Dylan is going to go through a, a slight renaissance here with his 80th birthday. So getting anybody interested in Bob Dylan, if they are and if they're interested, if they haven't listened to him a lot. That's kind of the, the basis of our entire podcast. So if you ha- know somebody who is just getting into Bob Dylan. Yeah. Be like, hey, Bob Dylan's not just for people in their 70s and 80s. They're also for their people who are in their 30s who are also feeling old. But, you know, relevant. <laughs> or people who are 15 you right 15 now discovering months. it for the first you time. You discovered yeah. Bob Dylan is 15 months. And guess what? His song from 63 is still from 63, regardless of how old you are. So, you know. And, and it'll always be there. It'll always be there, just like us. We're always... Always, always wow, going to be there. Uh, really menacing. We also have a playlist that you can listen to live called See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. Uh, or again, you can find every playlist that we do on our website, SOTWpod.com. This week's playlist um, gets uh, B minus for me. I don't know how, like how you it. feel about this. It's pretty good. I think it's it ended good. up pretty good. I, I think that, as always, you are uh, a master of the word I forgot, where you put the tracks in a good order. Sequencing, Sequencing yes. Uh, so I, I think this fulfilled that really well. There was only like a couple of moments where I was like, meh. But it, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't feel the the impulse to skip. That's fair. And, and a couple have been, were super clutch, so we'll get to them as we go. So welcome back to our playlist world uh, for the fourth time, Hot Water Music, Jack of All Trades, one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Hot Water Music. Johnny Cash, for the 13th time, Jackson, I would say we're pressing the limits upon the use of Jackson, which I feel like we just have to do. But like, I feel like that could work later. Dude, if I had remembered fucking Captain Jack, which I specifically called out last time we right. did this podcast. Yes. Before I put Johnny Cash on there, I would not have because I know we have really like... We've gone too hard on Johnny Cash. We've gone very, very hard. 13 times, in fact. And they might he might be number one now in our playlist world. Grateful Dead for the third time. Obviously, we have a whole episode with them. Episode, I want to say 10, which was, uh, it was early. Dylan and the Dead. Yeah, very early. So you can listen to us talk about that. But third time. Third time, they've all been covers. So never organically for the Grateful Dead. But Jack Rowe, of course, they covered this. Uh, Kid Cudi, for the sixth time. It is not from that album, though. It's a different album, mm-hmm. Rose Garden. Um, so we still are working our way towards the full of uh, whatever that album's called. Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Right. Okay. So we're still working our way to that. But this is our sixth Kid Cudi. Uh, our second Black Sabbath, Jack the Stripper. Also, Fairies Wear Boots. You got to believe me. Which, you know, g- great song. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. And Warren Women for the second time. Roe v. World. Oh, so cool. It was so great. So cool to have somebody just, uh, a woman just screaming, I had an abortion. Fucking amazing. They're so good. And the Supreme Court's going to be going and doing shit. So this might be more prescient to the future than we realize. <laughs> Welcome to the playlist. A uh, bunch of random people. A lot of them I've never heard of in my life. Uh, P. Garrido, the song Jacko. Very strange, very like in and out. I'm supposed to feel like, I feel very much not at ease oh, really? when I listen to that song. Oh, oh. I, I feel like. I'm drowning. It's weird. Oh, I yeah. love oh, it, God. man. It's like a really, um, like a crate digger special where somebody found, um, you know, an album from the 60s or 70s and just manipulated it uh, audio-wise. And uh, really cool. I'm going to have to check out their other stuff because I really enjoyed that, obviously. Yeah. All of that kind of like found media stuff always has like a dark undertone for me. It's I think about this when I listen to like Channel 1600 to listen to National Park updates. And I just imagine what if this radio station is existing in the post-apocalypse and you're just listening to this dark, you know, like 
come visit, you know, kind of, it's like the fallout world where like happy, Hey, enjoy the amusement park. And then you turn to the amusement park and it's all dead. Right. Right. And it's, I get that kind of vibe here where it's like life music. And then I'm like sitting there and you see what I'm looking at, which is like the ruins of Paris. You know, I absolutely have felt that feeling many times, like specifically with music from the forties, from the twenties to the, to the forties, I would say early fifties maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's such a trope in horror movies too, to utilize that Mm -hmm. specific music, right? Where you hear something that's like supposed to be innocuous and nice little love song, maybe from the twenties or thirties. And it's like really sinister, but it's funny that this did that for you. Cause I would never, never it's more of, it's more of the, again, making it sound like it's from another crackling because we're crackling in and out and stuff, but it feels current. Right. So it's almost like listening to, an album from you know, Jelly Roll Morton record from 1920, but it's something new, right? Like it's like listening to Michael Jackson, but it's all staticky, right? Because it's so old and it's like the same way we would talk about Michael Jackson in this future is the way we talk about Jelly Roll Morton today. Right. Right. Nobody knows who he is. And you're like, oh, listen to Beat It. And they're like, what is this? I can barely understand. It's so crackly. Beat it. Maybe even the, um, just the like sheer anachronistic nature of it, where it's like when you're legitimately listening to music from the 20s and 30s, it sounds a certain way because it can't sound any other way. But this is artificially made that way to where it's like, you know, it's new, but it's also old. So that's another layer of. Yeah. Very cool. The districts also on our playlist, fourth and Roebling. I enjoyed this. Uh, very excellent. Much they like sound a, like the strokes. I've never heard of this band. Before. They sound like the strokes. That's what I was going to say. Just a, <laughs> like garage rock band. Uh, I don't know if they're still around or not, but I didn't look into it, but I enjoyed the song too long, five minutes too long, yeah. but it was fine. Uh, this is the kit Jack That was one of our covers. Um, pretty good. Everything has that little, little intro. Which, oh yeah. Um, is this going to be worth it? Absolutely not. But yeah, I, I forgot to mention there's a, I think in the Grateful Dead version too, it does the, what is it? Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that little fill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time. Um, and if you ever want it, like Grateful Dead style, play around, just so you know, since that song is an A minor, you just use the A minor pentatonic scale, right? Oh. That scale is the one. Nice. You want. Anyway, sorry, Incredible. yes. That song has that fill a bunch of times. Billy Joel, Captain Jack. This was the late addition to this. I know. And I got to say, fucking clutch. Really yes. brought together with everything. Uh, that combined with Carol King afterwards was Smackwater Jack. Two great songs, back to back, evoking a very, uh, very different time period, too, which was awesome. So I definitely. That's Smackwater Jack song. Well, enjoy that. the Billy Joel, I was like. I completely forgot that I had mentioned it specifically last time when we picked this song, and I was just like, oh, fuck, I need to put it on there. But it's so good. And then Smackwater Jack, I haven't, uh, Carol King, what's her big song? I think. Tap. I think, oh, well, Tapestry's the record. It's too late. Oh, yeah. It's too late, honey. Oh, I feel the earth move. That's what it is. I feel the earth. Yeah. So I, I've never really listened to her. I think I would like her music. I feel like this is something my mom is totally into. My mom loved yeah. Tapestry. I listened to it all the time as a kid. And it wasn't until later that I realized that Bob Dylan has a connection. Oh, yeah. He's friends with Carol King and uh, her husband, Jeff. Ooh, Jeff Mulder, Mulder or something like that. They were songwriting partners and then they divorced. And Bob was friends with them. He played harmonica on like his 95 album, uh, the the guy Jeff. But him and Carol King are actually friends, mm-hmm. Bob and Carol King. So. Mm-hmm. so that's interesting. And Tapestry is great. So I highly recommended that. Uh, Chris Stapleton, for the first time, I recommended this album back in 2017 when it came out uh death row i mean i, th- I think it's actually pretty haunting pretty pretty good oh it's excellent yeah uh 
Johan Johansson, uh, RIP, by the rose and by the hinds of the field. Mixing that together with Niho, the song Roro. Roro. I don't know where you found these. Yeah. So uh, I got to say, Johan Johansson, I, I really enjoy his scores and stuff. Um, and, you know, he's a really amazing or was a really amazing composer. I This is the one song I skipped. Uh, it just like I feel like it really takes you to a certain place that I thought the playlist wasn't going to. So I don't know why. Uh, maybe just because of this podcast and the playlist we create. But Spotify thinks that I really enjoy French trap rappers. Um Good, good. Every week on my Discover or uh, uh, release radar, sure. there's a French trap rapper, uh, and I don't Sweet, get it. Okay. But this is this I searched for, so it's like Spotify is going to be like, you keep saying you don't like this, but then know, you keep listening to it. So what's the real story here? I, know, true. Uh, I mean, it's good. This one's actually good, and and even the other ones that I've had recommended to me, th- some of them are fine, but some of them are not great. I don't love trap as a genre, just because like, yeah. It's easier to listen to in French because I don't know what they're saying. Uh, and who knew there was a big True. trap community in, in France, but I guess there is. But, uh, yeah, this one was okay. And I just got to say, for the record, Spotify, if you're listening, I don't super love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put your algorithm on this playlist because we're on Spotify. Listen mm-hmm. to us, robot. We don't want French trap French anymore. Don't. We'll search it if yeah. we want it. Come on now. And uh, the final two here, uh, Nurok, Jacked In, of course, we got to have the obligatory Another Jacked sweet in. Buffy reference. Amazing. And Jack Off Jill, uh, Strawberry Gash. Yeah, so that's probably the most famous Jack Off Jill uh, and Scarling, I would say, between the two of them, uh, uh, song, period. So, yeah. So, if you don't know, uh, Jessica, she goes by Jessica Adams now. And it's spelled Jessica like J-E-S-I-C-K-A because she's sick, Jessica. Sure. Uh, she came out of the the South Florida cool. alternative metal scene with Marilyn Manson. Um, so Jack Off Jill was their her first project, and then Scarling, um, when she moved to LA, was uh, her other. I guess it's still kind of active. She's also an artist, like a you know traditional artist artist with paint and shit. Um, right. But I mean, I just Jack Off Jill is th- this song specifically. I feel like is when you have like goth girl chic anywhere this song is played i feel like it's been in like so many movies and tv shows to yeah. exemplify that specific person um i don't know it's still good though it definitely gets me in my nostalgia feels kelly we were also people in the world this week what would you recommend for a listener of sign on the window to okay. do with so every perhaps time? for the first time ever i am very much in the moment uh station i watched army of the dead army of the dead is a zombie heist movie Starring Dave Bautista and I thought Tig Notaro. Um, you know, you know, Tig, good old Tig. Uh, I do know Tig, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, one Mississippi or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, just like an amazing comedian, a uh, great, great, very cool person. So, if someone told you without any context, hey, there's a movie with Tig Notaro and fucking Bautista, a Don't. zombie movie, in. you're in, you're in. And if you watch the trailer for it, the scene that is in the trailer is with Tig Notaro and Dave Bautista, and it's hilarious. And okay. you instantly buy in. But then you find out, when you put the movie on, <laughs> that it's two hours and 45 minutes long. And then the Whoa. next thing you find out is that it's by Zack Snyder. And then the next thing you find out is that Tig Notaro has the lowest billing of all the cast, of which it takes 15 minutes for the credits to roll. And then you realize, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> 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 so oh man it that is sucks. it is a i would say a c zombie movie if you lo- 
If you go into it with the right frame of reference, because I didn't know it was Zack Snyder, and I was duped by the preview. The preview is the best scene in the entire movie, which is a bummer. And I know trailers are want to do that, but like this is egregious because it's literally the best scene in the whole movie. Right. And of a two hour and 45 minute movie, it might only be two and a half. Sorry, don't want to be dramatic. Uh, <laughs> it's the best one minute of a two and a half hour movie. So that should tell you right. something right there. Um, it's not the worst. It's on a par with Resident Evil, I would say, which I do love. And I will, especially yeah, the first yeah. Resident Evil, Michelle Rodriguez already wins. It already wins. So that's a whole other conversation. But uh, I would rather watch Resident Evil over and over again than watch this sure. again. So I probably wouldn't watch it again, but it may have been worth watching. It's it's great for the, the low, low price of free, you know, if you have Netflix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, w- I was hoping for a lot more. Uh, Zack Snyder. I, I, that's it. Cool. It's just a shitty superhero movie. So go watch One Mississippi, the two seasons on Prime. Please, because that's, yeah, that's definitely a better time. Better use your time. But whatever. Army of the Dead. I watched it. Uh, music-wise, I listened to some music. I did actually listen to The Beths and Fresh and There, There, There based oh, on the wow. last playlist. All great, obviously. Like Larry. all the Beths? Like the two records? Yeah, like yeah. all of it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Sweet. All good. They're great. They're great. Uh, and I also listened to Japan Droids. I know that. Oh yeah. I mean, I've yeah. listened to them before. Obviously, it's a, a favorite band of yours. Um, but I was like really in a specific mood yesterday, and I was like, "Man, nothing yeah. is scratching this itch." I was like, I put on at the drive-in for a second. I was like, they get a little too experimental sometimes, and then I, was, I put on something yeah. else, and I was just like, "God, it's not like really." I want like a power pop, like Rocky kind of thing, and then I was like, "Fuck, it, I'm gonna put on yeah. a band." Ah, God, it's just so perfect for this. But so I was like, maybe minus the bear. Maybe I was like, this is perfect. Mm. This is everything you want. Yeah. Everything I wanted, especially in that moment. So, yeah, I only listened to sure. um, Post Nothing, but I've listened to all three of their records. I don't know how many yeah. records they have. Uh, so, still great. Three. three. And again, I'm so on top of everything. I'm so in the moment. Uh, K Flay released a new single, TGIF, uh, sure. with Tom Morello sure. on guitar. Fucking what the shit. Whoa. So, pretty good. So she has like, a new record coming out. Yeah. Yeah. If you I like K Flay, you like that. It's good. Uh, Tor, T O R, um, he released yeah. a new record called. Oasis Sky. Uh, I don't know if I've recommended Tour before, but his uh, first album, or I guess it was his second album from 2017, Blue Book, is basically the whole thing is on my Space Dust playlist, I think. So it's, it's like, it's really oh, nice. good. Um, but this new one, Oasis Sky, it's really reminiscent of Bonobo's Flashlight EP for me. Like, the, the whole theme of that is throughout the whole record, so, which to say it's excellent back to front. Uh, so I, I think that uh, Light light Rake like the word light and then the word rake, but as one word, light rake is probably my favorite song, but the whole thing is fantastic. So Tour Away to Sky, definitely recommend. And then God as an Astronaut. God as an Astronaut is a band that I've yes, listened to yes, on and off, yes. but never mm-hmm. really sat and like listened to the whole discography before, I don't think. And I still didn't yeah. do that, but they just came out with uh, All Is Violent, All Is Bright live. So it's the 10th anniversary of that record because mm-hmm. it came out in 2011 and they um, played it the whole way through basically in a live session at some point and released it this year. Uh, it, it seems pretty similar to the recorded version, obviously, but there yeah. is an energy. It's so f- fucking live music is so cool. It's like you really do capture a different vibe. So even though it's basically the same thing, no for note, it still feels a little bit different, but I'm really excited to go listen to their whole catalog uh, throughout this next sure. week because it's just like, it's so good. I think the reason why I haven't really listened to them a ton, even though it's right up my alley is because it's really emotional. And as we know, I have yeah. turned that part of my body off. <laughs> so it's hard for me to get into, but, but like Sigurose and Mogwai and even Deaf Heaven, I, I mean, I would say I prefer God as an astronaut over Deaf Heaven just because there's no singing. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why you could put Pelican and explosions in the sky. 
even Godspeed You Black Emperor more in those veins than, you know, or Silver Mount Zion. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of bands like that. But yeah, Deaf Heaven, you got to contend with the screaming. Right. But yeah, if you don't want any voice, then you got to get that out. But I, but I, for, for the most part, when he's not screaming, yeah, the vibe is definitely there. Yeah, I mean, the Portland band that I recommended earlier this year, maybe last oh, year, yeah, right. uh, A Collective Subconscious, it's very similar, but it's not as quite as rocky. It's a little more atmospheric. It's like a cool blend of sure. like solar fields and A Collective Subconscious, although <laughs> God is an astronaut has been around for a lot longer. And Anyway, sure. that's what I got to say about that. God is an astronaut and uh, nice. tour. New albums. Do that. The world is run by lunatics, so who gives a f- Let's light it up, let's make a mess, let's coalesce, let's make a fuss. The world is filled with psychopaths, so I wanna jink, I wanna fight, I wanna rage against the f- machine. They told me I can't be myself, but myself, so I can be. Well, I did not listen to, to many new albums. Uh, the only the only new album I listened to was Mannequin Pussy's new EP, Perfect, mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, I listened to the 50th anniversary of What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, which you oh, also need to listen, to listen to. God damn it! Well, listen to the the 50th anniversary. It's not that great of a deluxe edition. It's only like two discs, if you will. So there's only you know like the album plus the album and a couple different versions. Uh, that's all fine. But the liner notes, or at least a guest essay in that, uh, was written by. The guy I recommended a couple of weeks ago, Hanif Abdul-Rakib, wrote the, um, I think, the, either the liner notes or the, or an essay inside of that 50th anniversary for what's going on. So obviously I recommend his essay, which you can read online and listen to what's going on. I also played Red Dead Redemption 2 oh, did for you? the first time since <laughs> my last save was July of 2019. So I played it for the first time in almost two years. Wow. And uh, I'm going to beat the game, Kelly. I'm going to beat the game one you. day. It's going to be great. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to start over because I was like, there's no way I can remember these controls. And then I started playing and I was like, oh, yeah, it's not very hard. Nice. There were times where I was like, I don't know how to talk to people. (laughs) All you have to do is like left stick and then it gives you a little prompt. And I just didn't know. So I just started shooting people. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, God, I'm just like, I just want to talk to you. And I'm just like shooting everyone. And, you know, so so that was terrible for like five minutes. And then I I realized not that hard of a game. We're good. So um, so I did that uh, a little bit yesterday. I hope to do it a little more today. And then finally, um, like I said, I've been reading Robert Shelton before uh, Clinton Halen's new book came out. Um, I, I subscribed to it from the library. So the library was like, hey, it's here. Boom. Uh, came out last week on the 18th of May. Bob Dylan's birthday is obviously tomorrow as we record this. I am about halfway through the book. And uh, the book itself is called The Double Life of Bob Dylan, A Restless, Hungry Feeling, 1941 to 1966. Uh, it's cool because it takes uh, advantage of all of the stuff in the Bob Dylan center, not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, so he is writing about a world that we've sort of speculated about for a long time, but Clinton Halen, because he's written the biographies before and he's done a lot of work on Bob Dylan, you could even say, and he would love to hear you say it, that he's one of the most foremost Bob Dylan authorities. He got access to the archives and, and has written a pretty, pretty compelling, you know, story so far. It's, it's a lot of new stuff that I hadn't heard before. And I definitely have enjoyed it. However, I want to agree with uh, Laura at Definitely Dylan. She wrote a review of the book in an Australian newspaper, I think. But she says the same stuff that she's been saying about Clinton Halen that I've also felt for a long time, that he is very much steeped in homophobia, misogyny. Really? It's the same. It's the same sort of shit over and over and over. And you expect it to be different. And it really isn't. He is the same writer. He goes out of his way 
to to make it known that his biography behind the shades from back in 1991 and 2001 is the definitive Bob Dylan. And that's what most people like. He wants to throw every other person who's ever tried to write a, a Bob Dylan biography under the bus because they're not as good as him. They're just hacks. They don't do anything. He's the the real person. And I don't doubt that he's done a lot for Bob Dylan studies, obviously. I don't think we'll ever be able to write about Bob Dylan until he's dead and until the guard that grew up with him is dead. Mm. You know, writing about Bob Dylan as a contemporary, it, it again, it would be different for me. I think that a 30-year-old is going to write the definitive Bob Dylan biography, you know, in 2050. When you have the distance, you have the time, you have more context. Exactly. And- yep. And you, and you grow up reading this stuff and you could be like, wow, I don't want to associate with any of this. I don't want to look upon the women that are playing in folk music and just like dismiss them out of hand. Right. And that's, and that's kind of the vibe you get from Clinton Halen. It's just like jokes about gay people and, you know, just like every Joan Baez. Oh God, what's her deal? Like it's just over and over. And it's been that way literally forever. And you're like, Oh great. You're coming out with a new book. Oh, it's the same fucking book. And yet there's so much new information that it's, I just feel it's a damn shame that it's him doing it. But he would dismiss this podcast as a bunch of fucking fluff that only deals with his work that he did. No one else has ever contributed a dime. And it's just, you know, us talking about it. Well, also, there's there's a, you know, a lesbian, a gay woman on this podcast. So out of hand, not any value. (laughs) You have to read it, but um, you don't have to like it. I'll just say that's a good I think that's an honest, succinct way of putting it. War is hell. When will it end? When will people start getting together again? Are things really getting better like the news? We have 363 songs left. I was about to laugh at you because uh, the Bob Dylan Center released a couple of days ago uh, a new song that's never been heard before called Too Late. And I was like, haha, we have to put another song on our playlist. But it turns out that it's an incredibly early demo of a Mount Rushmore song of mine, Foot of Pride. That we will listen to oh. when we listen to Foot of, Foot of, Foot of Pride God. up in the day. Um, but it's from Infidels, and I think it's portending to what our next bootleg series is. Anyways, Kelly, we've been picking uh, our next song based upon words. So I want you to give me five words at random from randomwordgenerator.com, and we're going to look it up in Bob Dylan's lyrics, and I'm going to have you pick next week's episode. Okay. First word. Head. Okay, there's 93, so we're gonna just probably uh, nix that one. Uh, although we might, we might do one from everyone. So, all right, head is not 93 options. What do we got? Resident. Resident. Okay, that's pretty good. Six. Okay. <laughs> okay, six residents. All right, number three. Certain. Certain. Oh, there's definitely certain. Oh man, Kelly, these are all pretty popular. I words. did not pick the words. That's the whole point. Six. Six as well. I know, but I feel like someone's listening. Um, all right, what's uh, next? Get ready for another gigantic word. Call. Oh, fuck. Yeah, sake. I know. I mean, call, I think, is going to have us in some song titles, but there are 65, so I'm not going to look through it. Call, 65. <laughs> and cut. Cut. I know. I didn't pick them. Good Lord. 55 cuts. We have head, resident, certain, call, or cut, and cut. Which, you're, instead of doing one from each, we're just going to pick one of them, and I'm going to give you three options inside of each one of those. Which one do you want? Uh, certain. Let's do certain. Certain. Okay, so that is six. 
certains. Nervous here. Nervous. Okay. Oh, kind miss. It certainly does. But one thing is for certain. And for one thing, that's certain. Wow. Okay. Well, I have to go with the first one just because at least it's slightly different. For one kind miss. What? What? What now? The lyric is, oh, kind miss. It certainly does. You want to pick that one. Okay. So next week we are going to 1997. You're not going to like this, Kelly. We are going to the Highlands, which before Murder Most Foul was Bob Dylan's longest song, clocking in at over 15 minutes long. God damn it! So we will be hanging out in the Highlands, which, you know, honestly, big song. Uh, Not not like big, big, like it's going to take forever, but big song. So Kelly. Grammy award winnings, Time Out of Mind. From Grammy Award winning Time Out of Mind, we'll be back in the Highlands for episode 131. Kelly, way to go. You really fucked up. You should have went with the most, with the classics right there. We would have had two songs that were about two minutes long. Um, I'm so going to need you to acknowledge the really fact that up. I just said from Grammy Award winnings Time Out of Mind. Do you see the person I am? Do you see what you've done to me that I could just rattle that off? Well, you only know it because it's uh, there was another band that lost that why I know it isn't important. Um, that no the real reason I know is because of this. It's because of you. So that's, I just need you to take responsibility It's true. For that. And always remember, Babyface was up for I mean, that's what, you, that's what you were forget. saying. You were saying <laughs> another band group lost. You weren't talking about Radiohead. You were talking about Babyface. Yes. Nobody's no. heard of Radiohead. Babyface. Obviously. Though. What happened to Babyface? Anyways, we'll see you next week um, in a different Highlands. A very different Highlands. God, All right, Kelly. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, such a lovely, precious sight When I saw a baby